0: This reading is taken from Acts 6, verse 8 to 15, followed by Acts 7, verse 51 to 60. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the sanhedrin they produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law for we have heard him say that this jesus of nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs moses handed down to us all who were sitting in the sanhedrin looked intently at stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the Righteous One. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, The witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. This
1: is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kim, very much. Indeed. That's actually only a part of what is a very long passage, minutes. Uh, So I can, if I may, encourage you today, to go home and read the whole of Acts 6 and 7, and then spend another 10 minutes just sitting and thinking. Let's pray, shall we, before we start. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, our minds to understand all that you have for us this morning from your word. In your name, Amen well, as I say, this is part of a very long passage. It comes uh, when the church is growing, uh, and it's the ministry of the Apostles and how they're trying to balance the practical congregations, these groups that are meeting, uh, while also speaking, preaching and teaching. Uh, and it's the story of Stephen as he preaches with signs and miracles and uh, obviously uh, we got the end. He so disturbs them that they take him out of the city and kill him. There is so much in this passage, actually you could take any four or five verses and have a sermon on, on each. But we won't today. We'll look at the sort of bigger picture if we may. Um, the church is growing. That's the context. It says that in verse uh, 1 of chapter 6, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. That wasn't always the case. If you look at Acts chapter 1, you see the dispersing and the persecution of the church as they're scattered into small groups. So, there is a cycle in all churches So this is a time of growth. It's a time when there are issues in the church. How are we going to meet the needs of all these people? How can I possibly be your minister and your pastor, your administrator and all these things at the same time? Quite timely, really, I suppose, with Heather having left and Jan not arriving yet. I am all those things. But that's not the point the point is that they had the wisdom to say what we need are some administrators and they chose seven people to be their administrators, to look after the nitty-gritty of the church while they devoted the, the disciples apost- uh, devoted themselves to preaching and teaching. And Stephen is one of these administrators. He's a quiet, backroom sort of person who just gets things done. And in this dynamic environment, he... You see, the religious order was already in place. The church per se, the Jewish uh, um, religion, had been in place for hundreds of years. It was already established. And those who came to believe Jesus as their Messiah were often the people that were cast out. They were ostracized. We don't often think of that. We just think of them as the church. But there was an established church. And they took their families out of that situation into a new... And there was no backgrounds, support structure. So they had to give everything they had. They had to dip in all their resources in order to look after each other. They had to do things differently. They had to use all their skills. They had to use their gifts to fulfil the calling that was upon them. And Stephen looked after their practicalities. That was his gift. But he was more than that. Because actually, he is blessed by the Holy Spirit in his and wonders. Martin, your day is yet to come. You are Mr. Practicality. But, oh, no, Stephen stood. The Holy Spirit empowers him. And here's the interesting thing. Who is it that persecutes Stephen? Because it's not the Romans. It's not the unbelievers it's not the Gentiles, it's the church. It is the church that persecutes Stephen and those believing in the Messiah. It says is the uh, from the synagogue of the freed men. These were the people that the Romans had released, the Jews that the Romans had released, and they formed a synagogue and their own church. And they take that uh, dispute with Stephen to the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin is the religious council. They were the people that governed. This was the Church of England. They go straight to Lambeth Palace and they say, this is not on. And the Sanhedrin ruled by the Sadducees. I'm I'm giving you the background for a reason. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection and they follow the law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament. They believe in the temple. Because it's at the temple, the place which has been founded and upon which we have worshipped for generations, that is where God has to be proclaimed in the way that he has always been proclaimed. And you're upsetting the apple cart. And nations against Stephen in the same way that they did against Christ. And Stephen speaks... Now, interestingly, if we were to read the whole thing, it's not a defense. He does not defend what he's doing at any point. He simply states the facts as he knows them and interprets them. He has no remorse, and he focuses on the very thing that the Sanhedrin and those Sadducees would have... So he starts with Abraham, and he moves into Moses... And he talks about the law upon which they have based their faith. And he says, you're blind, effectively. You hold to the law of Moses, but when he was here, you complained against him. You miss all the prophetic imagery of Moses. You missed the coming of the Messiah. You missed the person of Christ even though he was in your midst and he told you he was God. You killed the very person who came to save you. You missed the purpose of the life and death of Jesus Christ. Because the focus of the Sanhedrin was about their building. It was about their temple. And the focus of of Stephen was not on the building, it was on the person inside the building. The person of Jesus Christ, the life of Christ, displayed through the faith of all those that he knew and were part of the new followers of Jesus. And it's stirring stuff. It makes sense, does it not, of when Jesus met the woman at the well and says, woman, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, who he was talking to then, worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in Spirit and truth. So, worship the person of Jesus Christ. Do not worship the building in which you're situated. The outcome, oh dear. The Sanhedrin are not pleased. The people are not pleased. And can you imagine total chaos as they're all shouting and running? Even if you all started shouting and running at me, taking me outside, and in the midst of that, Stephen is having a heavenly moment. The contrast is just extraordinary when you think about it and when you see it. So do we all have to be martyrs? I'll let you think about that for a moment. See, the answer is yes, but not necessarily in this way. We are all martyrs to the cause of Christ we all have to give a reason for the faith which is ours. Wherever that may be, in whatever circumstance that may be, walking with a friend around a lake who is facing death, and you have to give a reason for the faith which is yours, to which you hold, and to which he is clinging, via me. But alongside that, I have been struck by the context of Stephen. Because the real turmoil, the real trouble, came from different factions within the church. This was a group of believers who believed in Jesus and Christ wanted them to be be different. To be led by the Spirit, to be fleet of foot, to share in a way that hadn't been done before. To speak in a way and live in a way that was counterintuitive and countercultural. To worship without boundaries. To bring anyone of any color, any race, any nationality, any status into the presence of God. This was so totally different from what they had experienced before. This was a church of change and of progress. A church determined to follow where God was leading and not simply to do what they'd always done. Otherwise, as we know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. This was different. This was new. And this was exciting. And a world. And it's a world which needs change. And it's a world which over the last two years has changed. And it's still trying to come to terms with where it is now. A world where actually families have found different things to do on a Sunday morning. They've had two years in which to find the local cricket club or the rugby club or whatever it is. And the children are now part of that. And after all, it was all recorded so we could catch up on a Wednesday afternoon if we wanted to. But of course, now they're in those groups. Very difficult to tell your children not to once they've already become and belonged. So what does that say to us as a church? Do we demand them to come to our temple at the time of our choosing? Or do we meet them where they are? More and more people are feeling that sense of isolation. Our working environment is different. It's the new three two. Three days in, two days out of the office in any one week. Some would prefer it to be two days in and three days out, but whatever. Our working weeks are different. We want our weeks to serve our needs, not just those of our employer. And much of this is good. It's good change and it's long overdue. But our society is different and it demands different. The church has changed. And in other ways, the church must change. We must be different for two years our church laid behind the wall unseen because we couldn't open our doors at least on an interim so how are we going to expect all of a sudden, now that we've got our doors open, that people will notice us we expect people to come so that we can show them hospitality hospitality But is this the place of meeting? Is this the place where they're going to meet God? Yes, it is. But how do we expect them to come here? Unless we have met them at the city gate. About the city gate. Where is the city gate? Which is where in the Bible you used to find groups of people meeting to talk about the presence and the person of God. And our city gate is here, but it doesn't start here. The city gate is in our community. The city gate is the garden fence. The city gate is the pharmacy where you bump into a friend. Or with Kalpesh over the counter when someone behind you is buying a bag of sugar. That's the city gate. The city gate is the one fair where we will all meet people this afternoon. And what are we going to say to them? How are we going to so introduce the hospitality of Jesus Christ and his love that we can then bring them into the city? We need wisdom to see the cause of society's pain. We need broad shoulders like Stephen to carry that burden We need the clarity of mind to challenge what's wrong. We need the strength of Stephen to withhold and stand for what is right. We need the grace and the forgiveness of God to continue to love the world when the world does not give love back. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to indwell, to guide us, to direct us, to bring us back to our calling. And we are all called to serve the living God Now is the time to respond to our call. Now is the time, time to be open to the leading of God, to be open to God's word, God's timing, God's purpose. And if we are, I believe we will see the church once again become the fundamental core of our community. Because in the meantime, you can rest assured, the cricket club and the bowls club and all the other clubs in Wanish are fighting for that same uh, purpose. They want members to come. And quite rightly so. We are part of our community. And we need to be part of those groups. Sharing the love and the presence of God wherever we are. We need to pray to hear God right. So that we might follow. Now is not the time to be consumers of religion. But to be partakers to be ambassadors, to be disciples, to be bold as Stephen was bold. I really believe that God is moving. And if we're to do what is right, we need to follow. So it's a challenging message this morning, isn't it? That Stephen was challenged and stood for the challenge of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would open our eyes to see opportunity. You would strengthen our hearts and our resolve to stand for you. And you the power of your spirit that we may speak when we are asked to. We may act when we need to. We may love at all times the love of God. In your name we pray. Amen.